Andrew McCutcheon gets hit number 2,000. The Pirates get a series win over the New York Mets, and there's nine straight NL Central games ahead. Is it the biggest stretch of the season for the Pittsburgh Pirates? We'll talk about that and more on today's episode of Locked On Pirates here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Pirates, your daily Pittsburgh Pirates podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome back, everybody, to the Locked On Pirates podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team, your Pittsburgh Pirates, every day. I know Gary has been missing in action for the last two weeks. That's partially my fault and partially his busy schedule. But he's here today on Monday, June 12th. As you guys, you know, love to DM me about this. You're like, hey, where's Gary at? Is he okay? I'm like, yeah, he's fine. He does his fan forum every Thursday. You can literally go see him. He's fine. He's not dead. Uh, but Gary, how are you, sir? I'm good, man. I'm coming out of it a little bit and uh, just in time for the baseball season to really heat up. So, Yeah, and it's a busy time of the year for this Pittsburgh Pirates team. Uh, one thing that I will talk about once we start talking about the series that they just played against the Mets, I don't have the numbers in front of me because I can't find them and I don't feel like counting. Um, but I would guess that the Pirates' record against the National League is much better than it is against the American League after what we saw last week. But the big story, of course, coming out of Pittsburgh yesterday was Andrew McCutcheon getting his 2,000th hit. Uh, Joe Block had to make it known that he was on 1999 for quite a bit of time. Uh, it was all every at-bat, pretty much, but, you know, doing his job. Uh, comes up yesterday, Sunday afternoon, first, first plate appearance, gets it done. It was a very nice moment for him. Obviously, had the whole family there, standing ovation, whole deal. But it made me think again just about how important this guy has been to the Pittsburgh Pirates since he got his first hit on June 4th, 2009, I think was his first ever hit in PNC Park. So, I mean, ever since then, even when he left, I mean, indirectly, Andrew McCutcheon helped this Pirates team by acquiring Brian Reynolds. Now he's back again. And the team, of course, had that slide after starting 20 and 8. Do you think, and I mean, I feel like this is kind of one of those obvious questions that has an obvious answer, but like how much impact has he had on this team being able not only to stay afloat after something like that that they had in the month of May, but be where they are now, which is solely in first place again? I mean, you probably don't have to ask me. The players say it all the time. I mean, yeah. they, they they give him a lot of credit for the attitude in the room and, and making sure that everybody's head is in a good place when, you know, when, when bad things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been there and done that, and he's seen, you know, what, what it's like when the team swoons and when they come back and, and trusting the process and fighting through the struggle. And, yeah, I, I think he and you know, to a degree, Carlos Santana and Rich Hill, guys like that, I think they all add to that plate. As far as McCutcheon, well, he's done it here. Yeah. So his experience here is, I think, something that he is constantly educating guys on. You know, um, hey, if you do 
this here, it's probably not going to be as appreciated in New York as it would be in Pittsburgh. You know, look at how these people worship me. And I'm probably not even a Hall of Famer. You know, Kutch is humble enough to be saying things like that. Yeah, and he and he will admit that too. And it's a question that uh, I a few months ago you guys actually had on the fan forum. Like, does he deserve a statue outside of PNC Park? It's kind of and it again, like we talked about it, like you talked about it on your show, and then we talked about it on mine. It's not like a cookie cutter yes or a cookie cutter no. There's very right. real options to say yes. There's very real options to say no. And Kutch is that kind of guy. I mean, even throughout this whole homestand, it was a nine-game homestand. And he was at, I believe, like 1,995 when he came into it. So a lot of people expected him to do it against the A's just because of how, like, he's been consistently playing. But he even admitted it the other day. He's like, I don't really care that much. It's a milestone. But it's not something that – if I see four pitches out of the zone, I'm just going to swing at those pitches out of the zone to get this 2000th hit. I think he said more along the lines of like, he knew it was coming, you know, he's going to get the hit eventually. Um, and I think that was a healthy way to look at it. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, people, nobody wanted to be attached to that number. Nobody wants to be attached to that. Nobody wants to be the pitcher that threw that ball. At no. least they think, but I'll be honest. Most people aren't going to remember that he hit that off of Carlos Carrasco in in five six years. It's going to be a trivia question somebody asks, and and there'll be a few very observant people. And then you know, even though there's twenty thousand people at the stadium yesterday, there'll be mysteriously forty five or fifty that were there for it. Right? Yep. Over the course of the next five years or so, it was a big moment, man. And and two thousand hits is is crazy. You think about you think about how many people have actually done it, and it's just a little under three hundred, right? Yeah, and, and I mean, look at the, the amount of people in Major League Baseball just this year. Like, yeah. it, it's insane to think about, and it doesn't sound like a lot either from like a whole career perspective when you're thinking two thousand hits. It doesn't sound like that much, but then you really think about it, and it's like, okay, this dude's like averaging on hits is crazy. Yeah, you have to not only be good, you have to be good for a sustained amount of time to be where Andrew McCutcheon is. And again, he's not Sidney Crosby. You know, he's not, um, you know, Ben Roethlisberger. He's not Mike Trout. He's, he's a very, very good baseball player who has been very consistent for the vast majority of his career. And there just aren't a lot of those guys. There aren't. Maybe that's not a Hall of Famer, but it's certainly the best player we've had here since 2000. Yeah. And he's 100% the face of this franchise until he's not. Yeah, and at some point, I mean, we've already kind of heard the rumblings that he's going to be back next year. That's just been something that's probably assumed. I mean, it's been lightly reported, but obviously we're not going to like go super deep into it because it's still not even halfway through this year. But it's pretty evidently clear now that he wants to finish his career here. I don't think there's any doubt in that anymore. It's not, okay, like, cool, I enjoyed all this, but, like, trade me to a contender. 
But also, the Pirates, I, I don't want to say they're contending, but they are a first-place team on June 12th. Now, we're not going to kid ourselves here and act like they're a World Series contender. I don't think so yet. I mean, I don't really know. Crazy things happen in baseball. I mean, look if you at get in the playoffs, year. you're a World Series contender. That is very true, and that—that's really all there has to be to it. Philadelphia had no business getting oh. to the World Series last year. I'm just going to say it right now, they didn't. They did, but once you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. Look at the Florida Panthers in the NHL. Yeah, nobody thought they had a chance against Boston, and there they are in the Stanley Cup final. So, it, yeah. And I'm going to say something funny that I found out yesterday before we hit our ad break about that team. I know this has nothing to do with the Pirates. So if you guys click off, I apologize. But it's something that I did not notice until yesterday. That their home jersey in Florida and their away jersey in Florida, you wouldn't think there's like any difference in it at all except red versus white. I never realized that their road jersey says Florida and their home jersey says Panthers in the logo. Never realized that until yesterday. Never. Speaking of jerseys, by the way, sometime next week we'll probably be talking about the City Connect jersey. Yes, I know it got leaked already, but I'm not going to like talk about a leak and then it'd be completely different and look stupid. Um, but anyways, if it does, if that is the jersey, I like it personally. Attack me if you want. But anyways, if you want to go fix your car, make sure you go to eBay Motors, please. I uh, should have. Their thing somewhere. Oh, yeah, there it is. It's the eBay Motors 426 thing right there, bud. Because for a championship team, as me and Gary were just talking about, like the Phillies, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle because every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. And over 122 million parts are available for you to choose from, and you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For my everydayers, hi. Thank you for tuning into the show every single day here on the Locked On Podcast Network, even when Ethan didn't have internet. Yeah, that live show on YouTube on my phone was pretty fun. Uh, what else was pretty fun uh, was the Pittsburgh Pirates defeating a really New York Mets team in a series and again, I jokingly talked about it earlier that they just are playing so much better baseball against the National League than the American League. And I I don't know what the rhyme or reason to it is. They just are. And a lot of people, including myself, looked at this Mets series and then the nine games that follow. And I even said it on the show and kind of take it back now that this Mets series was, it was nice to win it, but I didn't really care. <laughs> Like, I know that sounds really bad as the host of this podcast, but, like, if they would have lost two out of three here, I would have been fine with it. Because now you get these nine straight games that I'm talking about that we'll talk about extensively here before we wrap up Mets talk. Now that I looked at it, though, we all know, and I would hope that I'm not wrong on this, that the Mets are probably not going to be in the spot they're in come August. I just don't think they will be. There's a possibility they will be just because I they just 
to me didn't look good this weekend at all. But I mean, what's going to improve for them? Yeah, that's a good. I mean, Pete, like you got Pete Alonso will come back off the IL, so okay, yay. And you would you would have to think that Scherzer and Verlander get back on the mound and get back to themselves, right? Yeah, but they're forty plus years old. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> this stuff, you know it. It's it's great what Steve Cohen did as far as like he's he's basically a fan that bought a team and decided that he wanted to outfit it with all the stars and and just go for it. But he got caught up in like collecting toys instead of pieces that he actually needed or fit together well. Mm-hmm. There was better ways to go about building this team. Probably could have done so by spending less money, but it became a a pride thing almost trying to reach some figure as opposed to building a team. That's what the Mets are. They're just a collection of players that are good individually and together as a team, all function. Yeah, and you kind of saw that this weekend too. I mean, the first game that the Pirates played, they were all over them for the most part. I think or I just... said on Twitter it looked like 26 Roger Dorns playing. Yeah. Everyone was laying balls and just letting things happen because they just don't hustle. They're a bunch of highly paid stars that don't play like it. Well, and there was that, um, one of the plays that I felt that like defined this series overall was the uh, Francisco Lindor uh, play where it was a clear double play. He just goes over, drops the ball. And then after he like fumbled it, he didn't even try to like make a play. He was just like, okay, whatever. Double play is gone. I'm not doing that anymore. And I mean, obviously it was, but like you would obviously like to see a little more effort there. Um, And then of course, on the other side of the coin, you have Brandon Nimmo absolutely robbing Connor Joe with that bases loaded situation on, I believe that was Saturday, but the pirates, again, I talked about Friday with the starting pitching worries that this team might have now with, of course, it's Alaska is going on the injured list for the rest of the year. Rolanzi's going to make the move to the bullpen. And of course, as I say that, what happens? Rich Hill throws an astronomical amount of pitches. Johan Oviedo looks like his April self. And then Mitch Keller does Mitch Keller things. So, yeah, over the weekend, they were fine. But obviously, we also heard Ben Charrington on his radio show yesterday talk about somebody's getting called up this week because they have to. And well, we know who that is now. It's Osvaldo Beto, correct? Osvaldo Beto. And yeah. you know, because of writing on the site and reading stuff I write, I knew this was coming, what, last Thursday or something, I think. Yeah. I think because, I wrote about it. Yeah, because I believe Beto started on Thursday, correct? So he has, like, yeah. ample rest and he's going to be fine. The Pirates pitching staff, though, the starting in particular, it's going to be trouble all year. It just mm-hmm. is. It was not meant to get this young this quick. Um, they're fortunate that Rich Hill hasn't gone on the IL yet. He does just about every single year, mm-hmm. um, which is why I questioned pushing the envelope with him the other day. Um, glad to get the win. Happy he had a good performance. Don't like pushing him right now. I think he's a blister away from sitting for two or three weeks, and that would devastate this team. It would. You're going to end up seeing Quinn Priester up here at some point because I don't see a way they can avoid it. 
I, I don't, and I don't even think he'll necessarily be ready when he gets the call, but they're going to need innings. He's got to come up. They're probably going to have to dip all the way into double A and think about Kyle Nicholas and Jared Jones. There's a lot of things that the Pirates are going to have to do that you would really prefer them not have to do. And I'll say this, in or out of contention, this team has to go and get a starting pitcher. Yes, they do. They have to. There's just not enough innings left um, with what they have. And that's if Rowanzi figures it out and works his way back into the rotation. Because if he doesn't, this problem is twice as big as it was. They may have to get two. Yeah. And also, I know like a lot of people, I tweeted about it, about if the Pirates traded for Shane Bieber, it would send me into the stratosphere. Um, Yeah, that was literally the words I used. And people assumed that that meant I wanted him to be here, which it kind of does because Shane Bieber would be a massive help to this team, even in an off year. And I, I know you're going to throw the exit. You're going to throw the velocity dip at me. You're going to throw the brake dip at me. You're going to throw all this stuff at me. Shane Bieber and Mitch Keller would arguably be the best duo of pitchers in the NL central. And I could even argue that it might not even be arguable based off of what's good. I mean, Milwaukee still has Burns and Woodruff, obviously. So that's a good group too. look at the other teams in the NL central right now. At this current moment in time, now that eliminates the Reds because Lodolo's on the IL, I believe, or he either just came back or he just went on it. I always forget which one it is. But it doesn't necessarily have to be Shane Bieber either, is what I like the point I'm getting at. Because what Gary will tell you this too. What's the one good thing the Pirates have done the last three years? Go out and find veteran pitching. They've done it in free agency. I can guarantee you they can do it. In the trade market too. Now, I would, even back in there in the mid two thousands, when the Pirates acquired starting pitching, they got guys like Yvonne Nova mm-hmm. and Jay Happ, and I mean these weren't like household names. You weren't walking at Wandy Rodriguez. I think was one year. You don't you don't necessarily like go out and try to get somebody star, but I think the Pirates see unique advantage here. They have a real need for starting pitching, veteran starting pitching, moving into next year. They they can find somebody that's got a contract that's a little too big and and make a move that helps beyond this year. I think that's what they need to try to do. I also don't want to pretend that's super easy to find, no. but that's what they need. And And if they can't get that, they're going to need to settle – Ethan, they're going to have to trade for somebody that you aren't even going to really want, mm-hmm. like a Patrick Corbin from Washington. He stinks, but he takes the ball, and he gives you five innings, and he <laughs> that, that's all he does. And if you end up having to DFA him or use him out of the bullpen instead because guys get healthy, hey, at least you got the innings covered. They're going to have to make some decisions like that, and it's not going to be very popular. But when you really look at the landscape of what's out there, I think you're going to understand why they have to do it. Yeah, and it's and it's interesting too for myself, obviously, because I've been doing the show now for this is my third season of doing the show, and it's always been trading this guy away. Who's getting traded today? Who's going where? Now that it's flipped, it is kind of weird because I mean, at this point, I'm tired of hearing the notion that it's still early. 
the division sucks, blah, blah, blah. What, yeah, all that, all the cliches of why the Pirates are in first place right now. It's still June. Okay, so when it's next month and the Pirates are still in contention, is it still just July? We're more than a third of the way through the season, folks. A lot of people forget about that. It is, I mean, the halfway point is not that far away. It's already June 12th, and the All-Star game is the second week of July. Right. The if, Pirates, gonna, if they're going to get knocked out of contention, I doubt it's going to be before the All-Star break. Yeah. Now, with this upcoming nine game, th- these upcoming nine games against the NL Central can be telling of a lot of things. And it's funny because I ran into a Cubs fan at work yesterday. They were like, oh, yeah, I'll be at the game on Wednesday. Um but I noticed something. I was like, what's up? She's like, oh, we haven't played you guys this year yet. This is the first time we're playing each other. And I said, yeah, it's June. We haven't played each other yet. And now you get six games against Chicago, three against Milwaukee. Neither of these teams have played Pittsburgh yet. Now, something on Milwaukee. Pirates fans, we need to get, like send a care package to them. Because we lost two of three to the A's. Somehow on God's green earth, they lost all three. And I don't know how they did. I didn't watch those games, but I'm very happy they did. Chicago, to me, not to be rude to the Locked On Cubs guys or any Cubs fan that may be watching the show for whatever reason, they're a team that spent a lot of money that acted like they wanted to contend when they can't. That's just my idea of the Cubs right now. Now, obviously, that'll probably come back to bite me when they – beat us two out of three this week for some odd reason, but it's still division games. These are games that swing the division for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And there's one of two outcomes here. And I'm going to talk about this more on tomorrow's show as well. When we're talking about the preview with the Cubs. There's one of two outcomes really here or three, actually one say you go six and three over this stretch. You probably extend your lead in the division. You could go, Four and five or five and four over this stretch. You maintain pace depending on what games you lose. You could go three and six or two and seven, and that one game lead you have turns into a four game deficit. That's why I'm calling this arguably the biggest stretch of the year for this team. Because again, they're sitting in a good spot currently. Say they go to Wrigley and lose two out of three. That changes a lot over the course of just three days for this division. I would agree. And I think like the other thing to think about is, is it's not a surprise. The pirates are where they are. I mean, they're a game in front of Milwaukee. They have a, the pirates have a plus two run differential, nothing to shake a stick at, nothing to be super excited about, but it's plus two. Milwaukee is minus 21. Mm -hmm. I looked at their expected record the other day. And I think if all the expected records were there, I think the pirates were like, three games up on everybody. Well, my point being, they're still pitching okay. Mm-hmm. This team has a pathetic offense. Like, guys, this is not like a team we should be frightened of, even as Pirates fans. The Cub- I'm not saying we're going to win every game against them. Certainly not. But I- I'm saying, like, they should win <laughs> this series. If you thought we should beat the A's, you sure as hell better think we should beat the Cubs and the, and the Brewers. The Cubs have a negative run differential of minus 13. I mean, these are not 
good teams. Okay? Like, the Pirates really should be in this. Cincinnati, who everyone thinks is horrible, is minus 34. That's not that much worse. No. So, I mean, it's it's a difficult division to forecast out because really any of these teams could get hot. The last place team in the division, St. Louis, minus one. Mm-hmm. You make sense of this division somehow. Like It's very difficult, and they haven't really gotten to play each other. And finally, the Pirates are getting to the point where we're going to start playing them now. Yeah, Let's see what happens. I, I agree with you. I think this, this nine-game stretch here is pivotal, at least as far as the division goes. But I don't think uh, it's, we're at make-or-break territory yet. No, and I don't want to make it sound like make or break territory either, but it is to the like to the to the tune of a lot can change. Opinions can obviously change. opinions are going to change every day, but just the outlook of what we have of this team through this stretch is going to be interesting. I mean, okay, like I, I agree with you. By the way, these are games they should win. Neither of these teams is like. Goliath to our David. They're not. We're arguably better than both of these teams. And there's very strong arguments you can make to say that the Pirates are better than Milwaukee and Chicago. But again, I mean, let's just say over the stretch, the Pirates go five and four. That would make them 39 and 34. That would be fine. But let's all of a sudden say St. Louis goes on like a eight game win streak. Like you said, any of these teams can get hot. They have the stuff to do it. Milwaukee's offense all of a sudden wakes up. There it is. They, they're they they're going to wake up at some point, I think, even though it is, again, a pathetic offense. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I don't see it. I don't think they have the players to do it. Yeah, and, I mean, you've said it all year about Cincinnati. All it takes for them is the pitch. They get the pitching. They're fine. And they're, they're kind of doing it. And the thing I'll say about Cincinnati is I see a lot of Pirates fans have discourse about the Reds. Guys, just so you know, the Reds are basically what we were last year. Oh, I think they're better than that. The, oh, they're, well, they're better than that. But like, I, the same... I legitimately think the Reds are further along in their rebuild than anyone cares to mention. Yeah, I mean, look but at their... they'll be in contention next year. I mean that. It's very possible. I could see it with the way that they're like. I mean, just look at the team up and down now. You have Green, Lodolo, Ashcraft. Probably have some other guys down there too. Ellie De La Cruz is up here now with Matt McLean, Spencer Steer. They have NL Rookie of the Year candidates everywhere right now. And I think when I said, like, they remind me a lot of last year's team is, like, last year when you were seeing kind of the rapid fire from the Pirates bringing guys up. Obviously, there was different reasoning behind it. But for the Reds, these are some real guys. And the NL Central in general is going to start looking real 2013-ish, I think, in 2024. Yeah. It could even look 2013 uh, 2013-ish this year if Milwaukee takes a slide. I would say that the Reds are right where Detroit was a couple years ago when they had all those stud pitchers starting to come up and they had oh, just yeah. drafted Torkelson, right? Well, then all of a sudden, all those stud pitchers needed Tommy John almost like on a conveyor belt. So they've moved everything back, and all their expenditures are basically a waste of money. Like Javi Baez, doesn't really matter that he stinks out loud. They signed him to try to improve their team. Well, the team 
stinks because all their pitchers that were studs and supposed to carry this thing getting Tommy John surgery. Mm-hmm. Well, Pirates are kind of feeling that a little bit right now. Brubaker's not a stud, but you, you still lose his innings. Burroughs might have been a stud. You lose all his innings, push him back. Max Kranick is just coming back from it. There's there's a lot of guys that you're going to start to see come back. Well, Cincinnati hasn't gone through that yet. And I'm sorry. Look at those arms and the way they throw. I mean, they're going to go through it. <laughs> if Hunter Green miraculously gets through his career without having Tommy John surgery, and I never want to hope for anybody to get injured. Let me just say that right now before I get attacked. But when you're consistently throwing 101, it's just bound to happen. It is. And, and it's something that he even probably knows himself. Like he would probably, he won't admit it, but he knows at some point, two, three years down the line, it's going to have to happen. Sure. And for the Pirates right now, as you mentioned, if JT Brubaker was healthy, I think we have a much different outlook on Rowanzi moving to the bullpen right now if he was healthy. Even Michael yes. Burroughs. I think Burroughs would have came up before Beto or Priester, personally. Or Ortiz. Or Ortiz. He would have already been here with the things that are going on. Oviedo totally probably agree. still wouldn't be in the rotation. He'd probably be in the bullpen. I, I mean, don't know. I, I mean, Oviedo's, I like got, right Oviedo's got hor- uh, staff horse all over him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got that guy that, like, you put in your three or four slot and you just let him go out and eat innings and every – Every so often, he gives you a sparkler. Mm-hmm. I think that's what Oviedo is right now. As far as like the the rotation, though, man, it's young. It's really young. I don't. I don't think it's fair to expect them to carry all the innings left. That's why I just think they're going to have to make a deal. But I brought up the Reds thing because people are starting to panic about how much better their rebuild looks than the Pirates. I would agree with you, but most of it is here. Yeah, and they don't have enough yet to make this team competitive. And even after they continue to develop, they won't have enough. They're going to have to go out and get more. And I'm kind of throwing in that caveat, the top end of that pitching, they're going to get nicked. Mm -hmm. So kind of calm down on that and quit worrying about what's going to happen in 2026. Worry about what you have right now. Well, and that's one thing that I will also piggyback off of your point. Don't compare rebuilds between teams. They're all different. Every rebuild from any major league team is different from the other because there's just so many different factors that go into every single team's farm system, every single team's major league roster that are just astronomically different. You might think. Funny, I do it all the time, though, Ethan. Like, I just did it with the A's. Well, yeah, I mean, you can, like, I'm not saying you can't compare them, but they're never 100% like cookie yeah, cutter. They don't, this is how they're not do linear it. at all. Yeah. But you but the can't A's do the A's do exactly what people here wanted the Pirates to do and cried for the Pirates to do, right? Starting mm-hmm. in 2020. Bring up all the kids. Yep. What's what's the sense in, in watching these bums play? Bring up all the kids. Whether they're ready or not. Well, that's what the A's do. Mm-hmm. That's what the A's always do. Every yeah. time they rebuild, it's what they do. They sell everything. They bring up all kids. The Pirates, they're different. They mm-hmm. sell everything. They bring in a bunch of scrubs and try to buy themselves time. Yep. The, the Cubs, they sell off everything. They bring in veterans for a specific window of time that gives them time for their prospects to develop and come up and supplant those veterans. 
it's just the different philosophy everybody has, and it really depends on how much money you have. The A's, they'll be back in this thing by like they won't be in Oakland, but they'll <laughs> they'll be in this thing come like four or five years from now with a decent team, and it'll be constructed with five, six, seven guys that are on this team stinking out loud right now. Yep. That's and how that's they it. do it. Yeah, and it's just how teams do it. And as I've said all year, and I'll say again to end today's show, I still don't think we've seen the best version of this team this year. I'll let you guys sit on that for a minute too, because you know what I'm talking about. And I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later. But guys, thank you so much for tuning into the Locked On Pirates podcast here on Monday, June 12th. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at LockedOnPirates or at MVP underscore Ethan. If you listen to the show, you already know what Gary's doing this week. He'll have five thoughts at five at five o'clock today. Pirates fan forum video on Thursday, audio on Saturday. There's it. Yep, you got it. And then, of course, I'll have my game recaps on Tuesday and Thursday this week against the Cubs. So I get to write about two of the three games in the series. So that should be very fun. But, guys, thank you so much. Have a wonderful rest of your Monday. My name is Ethan. That's Gary. We'll see you on the flip side.